0: Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from OnShaw.net Interview 10, Connor Braven. Hello, hello, you are welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education. This is Simon Lewis from unshaw.net. Um, If I Were the Minister for Education is a weekly podcast where I talk about primary education and what I would do. If I were the Minister for Education, sometimes I get the pleasure of doing interviews with very interesting people. And this week, I have that pleasure.
1: I am meeting. (laughs) I'm laughing (laughs) because I've never heard someone refer to talking to me as a pleasure.
0: (laughs) There you go. This, this, this is, I rehearsed this for so long and now. Oh, oh, sorry, I have
1: to throw you off. My
0: whole train of thought so this really um, annoying interrupting uh, teacher that i'm about to interview is no other than connor braden a teacher from dublin who we are going to talk to um, because it is june and uh, for people in uh, all over the world uh, june is pride month and we are celebrating pride month uh, with this special interview but we're going to talk about uh, talk to connor about lots and lots of things because He is an extremely interesting person. He shares we share a lot of um, of hobbies and interests and uh, out uh, and side projects. Uh, Both uh, both of us are podcasters. Connor and I both write, um, and so we're talking a lot about that, as well as bits and pieces about teaching uh, and so on. So I'm really really happy to uh, meet you, Connor. Uh, We've met on Twitter, and we did meet once in person. Uh, which you remember, and I don't. I'm so sorry about
1: that. That's fine. It's just because I'm, I'm really just unrememberable and unrememberable. <laughs> <So> that's fine.
0: <laughs> it's all right. I'll remember you now from now on. <laughs> uh, but you're very welcome to, if I were the Thank you very much. And thanks uh, so much for, for doing this. Um, I guess I suppose the best thing to do to start off with is, without sounding like a job interview, uh, is to sort of, Tell us about yourself. Uh, I mean, I, you have you've you've an interesting story, really. But you were born in in New York. Um, so t- talk us from there.
1: Um, yeah. So like I said, born in New York to a pair of illegal Irish immigrants who, um, when they had their second and last child, my younger brother, they were faced with the terrible situation of possibly having Americans for children. So <laughs> they um, quickly absconded uh, back to uh, Ireland. My Poor mother, God love her, she's a saint. She flew over on her own because my, my dad had stayed to finish up work. And uh she flew over on her own on a Friday, left New York Friday night with me and my eight-month-old brother. Uh, moved into uh, st- we stayed in London that night with her sister, then we flew to Dublin the next day on Saturday. We stayed in Saturday, stayed Saturday night in Dublin uh with my uncle, her brother, and then drove up to our new house in Sligo and uh, on the Sunday moved in and then Monday morning I started in junior infants <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> uh, to this day I ask her like how did you do it and she says I don't know <laughs>
0: that's amazing yeah. The pragmatism of, 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 of need and all that yeah
1: exactly yeah like when when the chips are down or whatever like you just have to make do with what you got um so yeah I was in uh I was in th- three different primary schools myself so I, I kind of when you, you know the kids that come to your school and they've just moved from another school and they have that excited and anxious glint in their eye. It's the first thing I do. I go over to them and I was like, I had to move schools like three different times. It's fine. You'll be grand. I'll be your friend. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was in one school from junior infants to uh, first class. And then that was, which I think, I don't know, you might know better than I do, Simon. Um, I think they're gone now. It was like a girls and infants school. So it was like the boys stayed in the school. till first class,
0: yeah, yeah, no, they're still around. Um, Are and, they? God. Yeah, yeah. My first job was in
1: one of those. Um, okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. Very odd, and and, and I think it's uniquely Irish. Um,
1: yeah, like fair or whatever about. Splitting gender completely, which we may or may not get to. I have issues with. Um, but I don't understand letting them start off and then go. Whoop! You're getting too old now. Off you go to the studio. well. You
0: know what happens to boys when they get
1: too old. You know, when but yeah, when move. they get to second when class, they reach
0: the age of seven. They are. They go mad, and, and those yeah. poor girls will be corrupted.
1: Um, exactly. Yeah. Um. So I had to move then to a different school, and then um, and then I did second class in another school, and then third class we moved to Leitrim where my father is from. Mm -hmm. um my primary school was literally across the road from the hospital where my dad was born in uh, in manor hamilton and uh i served my time there till i moved to dublin for college and i've been in dublin ever since
0: very good and did you um start off uh did you go to college to become a teacher or did you do something before yeah
1: i went straight into it it's funny because i remember the like building up to the ceo like especially at the end of transition year um, our guidance teacher, Miss Lynch, she was just like, you know, you should start thinking now about subjects because then you can think about college courses and then you can da. da, da. And uh, at the time I was like, okay, I'll be a vet or a teacher. Mm-hmm. And then um then I saw how difficult it was being a vet, <laughs> being <laughs> to get into veterinary. I, I wouldn't mind, I don't think I would have minded being a vet. Uh, actually one of my close friends is a vet, mm-hmm. but um I grew up on a farm. Like once we were teacher, I was on a farm. So I I saw like the day-to-day thing that didn't mm-hmm. scare me but when I saw how difficult it was to become a vet I was like oh no um mm-hmm. so then it changed to oh I'll be a, a journalist or, or a teacher and then it was an actor or a teacher and I actually did some professional acting as well anyway um mm-hmm. and it just kept becoming something or a teacher something or a teacher and I used to volunteer for um well no I didn't volunteer I was one of the children in a youth group Mm. And then when I turned eighteen, I stayed on as a volunteer, even though the kids I was minding were my seventeen-year-old friends. <laughs> um, so I I stayed on, but we ran this. Um, we we got a cohort of younger teens in uh, at one point, my last year in it, uh, and we got we ran a we did a like art gallery or a competition or something, and. We hired at the local theatre and it was for a fundraiser for the old the, the old folks' home, as we called it, which mm-hmm. community care home nowadays. And um, one of the adults, the actual adults, um, her two young kids were there and one of them ran out and I ran out after her I was like, oh, I'll come back here. And I, she knew me well and I kind of picked her up and was like, you can't run off and messing with her. And one of the other adults was like, you're really good at kids. <laughs> <laughs> that stuck with me. And I was like, huh. Right. Oh. And it was just this thing of, it's always been, vet or a teacher journalist mm. or a teacher actor or a teacher so I was like maybe I should put teaching first um so I did and I haven't looked back brilliant and um
0: and what was uh and what college did you go to just uh, I mean uh, I
1: was in Pats uh, which yeah. doesn't exist anymore apparently but uh, <laughs> everyone who goes there still calls it Pats it'll be Pats till God. Yeah. um yeah, yeah it I was really in Pats were, were,
0: were you a pats lad i've heard of this phenomenon
1: um have you heard of it (laughs) oh i'm very aware of it i went to pats um it's hard not to be a Pats lad when you're when you're one of you're one of 72 lads in a year of 472 um so So. i wasn't i wasn't i i was very involved in college life i mean i was the head of the drama society in second and third year um and i i was very involved in lots of different ways um but I wouldn't be the typical Pat's lad. I didn't, I wasn't on the rugby team. I didn't play GA. I didn't do any sports. Oh no, that's a lie. I did represent the college in sports. (laughs) I was, I was, I was was on the ultimate Frisbee team. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Which uh, if anyone listening hasn't played is actually a very physically intense sport. Like it's essentially, um, american football but with a frisbee so like you're running you're sprinting yes. to catch the disc and it's on a full-sized football pitch so it's quite intense
0: yeah i know that's that's, that's fair I, I gosh it's it's it was when i was in college i think as well that yeah. frisbee was around it was kind of a thing. Um, that's funny yeah i kind of forgot i forgot about that I, I never tried it but um it sounds wonderful really and yeah. um, really wonderful um but yes and that's also uh confirmed my rumors that there was such a thing as pats lads it's an awful awful thing to me but
1: anyway that well there was pats girls as well there was pats lads but it was just it was like just you know, a thing I it know, was just I a know. thing you were just yeah. known as like the, the typical pats lad the typical pats girl uh i don't know yeah
0: yeah, I mean, I, I, I presume you, you weren't carrying a hurl everywhere you went, like. like...
1: No, I didn't. Although I did, we did have <laughs> There is a competition every year uh, called Mister St. Pat's. Wow. Um, yeah, and it was essentially roller Relief, but flipped, like it was right. that was on, on parade, and um, in my second year, one of my friends, she was, she really hated that she not hated but she as a kind of a protest but also as a kind of loving nudge and laugh at it she entered mr st pats in, ah very good in in like in drag as a man yes um there was a swimsuit portion of the competition so she wore a full wetsuit with like flip flop or not flip flop what are they called flippers, the flippers and goggles yeah. and everything but um she refused to do it unless me and another friend uh went up with her so um we we went up kind of like as her her heavies <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah it was very embarrassing but very good fun and listen college is the time when you do be stupid to get that out of your system
0: absolutely no this is it and then you can become a sensible professional teacher as yeah. as as you are of
1: course I've yet uh, to get to that stage trust yeah. me.
0: <laughs> but as well as being a teacher and you've been teaching for uh, did you say it was eight, eight years or, or more now oh time? no it's
1: uh, it's uh, it's I've, uh, this September like 2022 20, will be my 11th September oh, okay. so yeah
0: oh yeah so you've been teaching a, a, a long time uh, you're nearly you'll be talking we'll ta- we should be talking about pensions really rather than this but as well as being a, a teacher you um, as I mentioned there in the introduction um, you're also a podcaster and an author um, which is really really interesting uh, to me who, who who's uh, both of those things too and um, so we might talk about both of those uh, before we get into the teaching Um I, I saw on your on your website that you've published two um adult books as in as in um they're crime novels. Is that be right? Am I uh
1: crime slash thriller, there's a supernatural twist. And I, I don't really know what genre it is. I self-published um because then I didn't have to worry about fitting it into a particular genre. I marketed it as a thriller because I think it, it it ticks a lot of those boxes, mm-hmm. but there's definitely elements in it that some thriller fans wouldn't enjoy, do you know that kind of way? Um yeah, yeah. but yeah, no, so uh basically that story all came from um Uh, the fact that my my boyfriend we've been together 13 and a bit years now Mm -hmm. and um he had a very serious illness at one point and it was literally life-threatening he was in hospital for like months and months and months and it was around a year after that when he got out of hospital and we were kind of like talk taking stock I guess and talking about you know well what's important to you as a person what's important to me as a person what's important to us as a couple you know the one Mm -hmm. of those big conversations and mm. i i kept saying well when i'm a published author i'd love to do this and when i'm a published author i'd love to do that mm. and he basically called me out and I, i've been on many a podcast telling this story before and i always have to explain the phrase when i'm talking to an american he gave me the kick up the RS i needed but i don't think i need to explain <laughs> that here no, so he exactly gave me the kick no. up the arse i needed to basically like you always talk about being an author but you never actually write anymore Mm. I was like ah oh, shite because one of the worst things ever could happen is your partner is right uh, yeah. about something yeah. so he called my bluff and that's when I decided decided to like really take writing seriously so um I entered something called uh it's a voluntary competition now it's not really a competition it's a, an event called NaNoWriMo which mm-hmm. stands for NA is national NO is novel RI is WRI is in writing and M O month so National mm. Novel Writing Month Nano. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I've come across that. Yes.
1: Yeah, and it's exactly what it says in the tin. So for the month of November, and um, the goal is you have to start with a manuscript on zero words on October thirty first, mm. and by November thirtieth, have a fifty thousand word manuscript. Which, if you're good at your averages, lads, is one thousand six hundred and sixty six words a day. You wow. Back out. Um. So I decided. Do you know what? I'll do that um and I made this decision on October 31st with no plan no no idea I was just like what do I do what will I do so I whacked out a novel that will will never see the light of day because it was yeah terrible. great yeah. premise but terribly written um I don't know if ever if ever I discover the secret to time travel I'll um I'll do two of every day and spend one day as, as a normal teacher and the other day just writing uh <laughs> and I'll rewrite that book but um it kind of got me into it properly, and even though mm. I did get a fifty-word, fifty thousand-word 50, manuscript in twenty-nine days, um, ah. it was terrible. So, <laughs> and a lot, a lot of the words were because I, I changed a lot of the don'ts to do nots. <laughs> and, <laughs> like I was desperate to get to the fifty thousand because the prize was, and this is actually the whole point of it: the prize is if you you upload the manuscript to the website as proof, okay. um, and it's just a word count, so they don't keep a copy or anything like that. Okay um like it's been going for 12 years so if they were going to do that we would have heard it wouldn't still be popular but um you win prizes and some of the prizes i won was um a free copy for a year of a writing software called scrivener
0: oh brilliant yeah yeah i know it yeah
1: yeah so if you're into writing at all you're gonna start on microsoft word but then when you're writing a novel that can be really difficult and do i do a chapter separately and what if i want to take this scene and put it into it so blah 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 so scrivener is essentially a software that is has a really steep learning curve if mm. you're into writing but is so worth it because it just makes writing so much easier and planning and everything like that yeah, um, yeah so because i won scrivener i uh ended up going well let's do that again and i wrote another novel um which became it was called the stone occultist at one point and then it became the longest night named after the december 21st um and it's the climax is set in new grange and all this kind of thing so it's uh yeah no i'm really proud of it and i self-published that in august 2019 very good Um, and it's it's of course everyone's heard of it it was number one in all the charts Um, (laughs) actually a millionaire and the movie's coming out next month Ah, um of course (laughs) obviously no it's it's self-publishing is great but it's also very difficult you have to have a particular mindset you have to Mm you have to have the time for it to be honest um yeah you have to be able to learn how to make facebook ads and Mm -hmm. and amazon ads and all that yeah
0: it's it's it's, it is isn't it i mean uh, because i mean writing a book is is all well and good but the promotion side of it is as at least the same amount of work um you know particularly if you want
1: to i suppose be read if that makes sense But it's not right. even, it's not even that's the same amount of work. It's that it's a completely different type of work. So True. if you're, if you're a creative person um, and and you like the, the, the storytelling and the creation and the editing and blah, that's fantastic. That's great. But usually the skills of, not always, the skills of being able to learn algorithms and keyword mm. searches and SEO and all this nonsense that I understand too well now because it, yeah. Listen to podcasts and interviewed people about it and everything um so it's it's a whole other ball game my second uh adults book is more of a novella than a book um mm. it's called the stolen dagger okay. um it's a completely different character from uh, but it's set at the same time as the longest night okay. uh, and people can get it for free um mm, okay. and the idea is like you get it for free by signing up to my email list and then when uh. i have you on my email list when i have that time to write the sequel to the Longest night you'll get an email about it and it'll be very like, good and loads of people will buy it cuz that's that's what happens cuz they have
0: like emailed they've given you their they've given you their email i guess yeah that's 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 why very clever very clever that's a good thinking but are you, is, is it true that you i mean from that you're writing uh children's books is that
1: yeah right? yeah yeah so it gets it gets more complex <laughs> so, <laughs> Basically, it was really funny because when I started telling my colleagues at work um, and friends and family and all that kind of thing that, oh, yeah, I've written a book. It's coming out in August. They're like, great. Is it a kid's book? (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm I'm I may mean, like curse on this podcast, I'm not sure. Not but I, I won't, even. I won't. That's fine. But <laughs> let's put it this way: the the the, the curse word that rhymes a truck appears 12 times on the first page. Uh, <laughs> so no, um, <laughs> it's not for kids. Um, but it, it kind of struck me as odd because I, at first I thought it was everyone's asking me, is it a kids book? Because I'm a teacher, but mm. it wasn't until one particular friend um he was like, but like it's not that you're you're like you're a big kid. <laughs> I was okay. like, oh, okay. And he's not wrong because I wear Pokemon t-shirts to work. Um yeah. Yeah. So I I was uh, I was that teacher's support teacher that year. Mm. And um the the kids actually in that I uh, was that I was the support teacher of had heard that I was an author because some of their parents found the book and had read it and blah, blah, blah. And um they were like, "Oh, can we read it?" I was like, "No, no, no. <laughs>
0: absolutely not."
1: <laughs> Will you write one for us? I was like, oh, "Fine, okay." And I, I was just—the intention was—I was just going to like write a like five thousand word short story, which mm-hmm. sounds like a lot, but when you're when you are writing five thousand words, isn't a lot. It's a couple of it's a couple of days or even weeks work, but it's. Yeah. Um. So I got the kids to um, design the cover of the book I was going to write for them. And I said, and and if you want, you can write the blurb or even write the plan for the book for me. And mm-hmm. I'll write the story and I'll pick the best one, blah, blah, blah. So <clears throat> these two boys paired up and they came up with this really interesting, bizarre cover where they just gotta you know that thing kids do when they're doing art, they like to use a ruler for the straight lines, and it just looks yeah. really bizarre. Um, so they, they built this like they drew this gate. And they forgot to color in the space but it was meant to be an iron barred gate, but they forgot mm-hmm. to color in what was behind the gate. So oh, okay. it was like these big white solid bars. Yes, yes. Uh and then they drew this beautiful, kind of intricate kind of landscape behind it with trees and a castle and a lake and birds in the air and all this kind of thing. And there was a really big massive knight in shining armor and a little boy standing on the other side of the gate about to go through to this magical land Mm -hmm. and they called it the land of wonders
0: okay
1: i was like that's really cool and there's i don't know it was it was the gate specifically that sparked something meanwhile in the other class i I supported two different classes at the time in the other class a different pair of boys came up with this story of this boy called adam who was a bully and then Mm -hmm. but he was really good at soccer and then he breaks his leg and he can't play soccer anymore. So he learns how to be good at art. And when he learns how to be good at art, he stops being a bully. Okay. I was like, oh, a bully redemption story. Now that's interesting. Mm. So I took the two and I merged them. This is Strange Gate and Adam, the bully redemption story. And it became my 129,000 <laughs> word wow. novel, oh uh, The Land of Wonders, which I changed to later, changed to Wondernia. Um, and it sounds like Narnia on purpose um, <laughs> so I, I I loved this and I was like this is really good and I, there was so it was I don't want to say it's better than the longest night because it's a completely different kettle of fish that's, mm, like saying, sure. that's like saying you know one type of painting is better than another type of painting yeah so of course different um but I was I was more excited about it let's say so <clears throat> I ran an edit and I got 3000 words out of it, which is not enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had started my podcast, which I'm sure we'll get to uh, at that point as well. And I had interviewed um, well-known children's author, Sarah Webb. Mm -hmm. Um, And I asked her after the podcast recording, we chatted for a bit and she asked me, and what do you write? And I told her and she gave me loads of fantastic advice. Brilliant. So, then I was like, right, okay, I need, I, I want to publish this, and I want to publish someone else to publish it because I'm not good at the important stuff after mm-hmm. you finish writing the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I submitted it to one or two publishers, and they, they response and agents, and the response was all the same. It's too long. It's way too long. Yeah, it's really. far too long. You need to put it down. And I was at a loss. And then a friend, um, Ruth Ennis, she happened to tweet uh, an application to. Um, a fellowship, a writing, a writer's fellowship, okay. run mm. by CBI, which is Children's Books Ireland. Mm. <clears throat> and if that sounds vaguely familiar, if you look at the very back page of the In Touch, there's always this little CBI logo with books they're recommending. That's um, it. Yeah. So that's yeah. where you that's where you know it from. Okay. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I, ent- I I applied for this fellowship literally at the eleventh hour because um, I found out about it the day it was the deadline was closing, and it was for authors from backgrounds that were traditionally um unheard it was kind of like it was it was the raising voices fellowship was what it was called so I entered it from the perspective of well I'm one of the gays we don't get published very much
0: yeah yeah Um, yeah. fair enough enough.
1: so I'll I'll give it a whirl and I had to submit um the first 5,000 words of the manuscript as well as answer a few questions in a kind Mm -hmm. of like job interviewee essay style yeah and then I just forgot about it completely Mm. and then um February or March came along, and I got any, no, it it was January actually came along, and I got this email just and the subject was just raising voices fellowship and my because I got so many rejections before and I, I'm used to it yeah. and I'm fine it's part of the process yeah, yeah. Sure I just is, yeah. yeah I got into the email and I just flicked through the phone really quick got to the bottom of the email looking for the unfortunately Unfortunate. or, <laughs> or something yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and then I saw the line so keep this good news to yourself and I was like wait what and I had to go back to <laughs> and read so I got that fellowship so wow, wow. The easiest way to explain it is that essentially I, I won a free writing master's uh, for a year. So um, there's really? a, myself and five other authors and creators and uh, two illustrators, four writers. Um, we're all from diverse backgrounds, um, whether it be on the LGBT spectrum or minority ethnicities and mm-hmm. all that, or, or neurodivergency, all that kind of thing. Um, yeah. We're getting different lectures from that are specifically chosen wow cater to, to our needs we're getting a free um week's stay in the tyrone guthrie writing center oh, lovely oh, that would be in, gorgeous yeah yeah and uh biggest the biggest thing is we all got a mentor uh paid for us completely no way yeah no to way. work through our writing that's amazing <clears throat> that's what i'm at at the minute uh i'm I, my mentor dave rudden Oh,
0: I know David Roden. He's a skull degree pleasant, isn't it? Or am I No,
1: that's the Derek Landy. Um, Derek
0: Landy. Oh yeah. Dave Dave Roast, he, um, Oh my god, I met him as well. He ah, <laughs> oh, he was he's got red hair and a beard. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> All lad, uh, curly red hair, big bushy beard. Um and he uh, yeah, he's and funnily enough, he so when I the when I came into first year in PATS, he left third year. So we just missed each other being in college at the same time, and sure enough, wasn't he heavily involved in the Pat's Drama Society? There and I had actually memory, been told yeah. stories of, oh, this one time, Dave did this really funny thing on stage, and it's just funny how now he's my writing mentor. Um, he
0: he did did he win? Say, it was either he won or he was nominated the same year as uh, for the Hennessy for the short story. Um, did he win it one year? I, I definitely
1: don't off the top of my head, but he he's he's he, like he's up there in kids writers in Ireland at the minute. Like he is. Yeah. His first trilogy is called The Knights of the Borrowed Dark. Um, mm-hmm. fantastic books. He was also um he also wrote a series of short stories uh called Twelve Weeping Angels, which was a f- his official Doctor Who canon. Mm-hmm. Um, like mm-hmm. which if you're a fan of Doctor Who, that's huge. But if you're not, it's still huge because you know who Doctor Who is, and he was chosen to write a book about it. So wow, that's that's pretty cool. So
0: that's that's fin- that's brilliant. Gosh, that's it's, that's great. So it looks it looks very uh, promising, really. That uh yeah, yeah, it
1: was, it was nice to, to like, even though it's, it's obviously it's not publishing, but it's nice for, that someone read what I wrote and said, mm. you know what, this is good enough to, to give this person a chance.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely brilliant. And, and it's, it's, you know, I, I, because I, from my own writing as well, and, and, and you know, rejections are just, but well, you just get them all the time. So they start, they, you become numb to them in a way, but then yeah. when you actually get a, get a piece of good news that, I mean, it's such a it's such a lift really isn't it
1: it's also so unexpected <laughs>
0: yeah well that too yeah yeah i know i, 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 I yeah even even in you know uh, later in my writing career i'm i, I, I the, the buzz of getting anything um you know even is, is is still there and and you still get the same amount of rejections and probably more uh, yeah. which is uh which is really annoying but anyway that that is that that is is what it is but i mean as, as i'm sure listeners can tell um storytelling is <laughs> uh something that you are very very good at and uh, what a great segue to my next question to you <laughs> i applaud thank you <laughs> that was that, that wasn't even scripted um <laughs> and that uh, you run a podcast which i've listened to um and it, is it, where you interview storytellers um and this is uh, for those of you who, for those of you of, of you who have not heard um, Connor's uh, podcast, can you just tell us uh, a little bit about it um, and who who you interview, um, where people can find the podcast, all that sort of stuff. But uh, what what's it all about?
1: So, um, first of all, it's called Story of a Storyteller, um, and the reason it's called that is because I feel that um, when a lot of uh, writing podcasts that I listen to uh, really focus on and tell me about this book and this book is great and uh, which is wonderful, but it kind of focuses on the book and it's, it's it becomes a, a, an hour and 20 minutes or hour and 10 minutes or whatever uh, ad for one book. So I, I want, I, and as well, there's so many authors that I've read and I, I just want to talk to them and be like, how did you get that idea? And like, what happened in your childhood that you can write such a horrifying book <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. and all these kind of mad questions. Um, so I, it's called story of a storyteller because it focuses more on the author or the storyteller. And the reason I say storyteller is I've had actors, I've had uh, board game designers. Um, mm. I've had, I, I've pitched video game, uh, all, designers and everything. Cause wow. they're all, you know, they're all stories that mm. are told through various means. Um, so I started that uh, that it, it was a lockdown podcast. I am not f- ashamed to admit it. Um, it's uh, I've I'm taking a year break from it at the minute because it's, it just became a lot. Uh, and mm-hmm. it, the whole purpose of it was more that I could feel like I was doing some type of marketing for my, for myself and for my book, but mm-hmm. still doing something I was interested in. And I loved um, I had some New York Times bestsellers uh, authors on mm-hmm. uh, one thing I, I, i still can't get over is um there's a chinese american author um uh, qian Wang, um or qian julie Wang. is she's sometimes known as but not so much anymore um she applied to be on my podcast before i started it right and uh, at the time she had like 400 followers on twitter and uh, i was just like yeah sure and it was just her life story about um, her and her family emigrating from China in the mm. early nineties and moving to New York. And we found out that we were actually neighbors for like six months, wow. <laughs> not literally neighbors, but we were like we were in the same borough. Sure. Um, and I was like, God, that's mad. And chatted to her. She gave a fantastic, just an unbelievable interview. It is genuinely one of my favorites. I've, I've had 50 odd episodes. Mm. Um, but her book, did phenomenally well. It was published by Penguin Random House. She now has like 15, 16 thousand followers. Um, yeah. and it, her book is huge. And she came back to the podcast for a year later to be like, here's what it's been like. And
0: wow.
1: Yeah, no, so that's fantastic. Um, I also had for any really audiobook fans, there's a very famous sci-fi audiobook series um called The Bobiverse. Mm-hmm. Um and any time a new Babaverse novel comes out in Audible, it's the number one for like a couple of weeks. Oh. Um, and I had, that's Dennis E. Taylor. I had him on the show. And then for anyone who's not into self-publishing, uh, you might be familiar with the name Joanna Penn.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was the Creative Pen podcast. She's yeah. a full-time self-publishing author. She is like a six-figure income business. Um, She came on the show as well. like, And it was great. Um, So yeah. it's, it's, It's brilliant, but it does take, you know, it takes up a lot of time. Um, It it
0: does. It does. And I I think it's hard to sustain it, to be fair. But, uh, you know, um, I I try and um, for the summer not um, record anything new if I can. So I kind of try and do something really, really long um and and then split it up over a number of weeks and then schedule them every week kind of thing so yeah
1: yeah, yeah my yeah.
0: secret's out oh no um <laughs> but uh no i get it but it's great it's, it's and for uh, it is well worth that we actually uh, found i found uh, one of yeah. the you were you uh, interviewed uh, the person who designed the cover of my second uh, poetry collection and um, so which is which is
1: who who i know because we're in a writing group together <laughs> so yeah. it's just it's a small world very small. ireland is
0: a very small country in, in many ways but the writer's world much like the teaching world is a very small place but so which which again what is an, another opportunity to segue into the next uh, question from writing <laughs>
1: knock teaching. them out of the park keep going <laughs>
0: And keep going, I will, but you're going to have to wait a little while to hear it. And I suggest that you do tune back into the next part of this interview with Connor Braden, where he talks about his experience of uh, talking at the INTO Congress about being a gay teacher in Ireland. You really don't want to miss it. It is shocking. It is absolutely shocking. I am not, us- my breath is usually not taken away from me but uh, it certainly was, as you'll hear. Listen, that is it for uh, this week. We'll be having part two of this interview uh, next time. Thanks so much for listening. All the best. Bye-bye.